Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hello, it's Manveen. Today's episode is presented by my colleague Kaya Burgess, religious affairs correspondent at the Times, who's been speaking to the Archbishop of Canterbury about feeding Britain one of the charities supported by this year's Times and Sunday Times Christmas Appeal. The cost of living crisis continues. Every time the temperatures drop, the decisions get harder. We get inundated with messages. People say, all right, I'll put all my money into my gas and electric this week and we've got no bread and milk. Last year, almost 5 million people in the UK were living in food poverty, where people struggle to afford and access enough healthy food to meet their needs. Countrywide, people need it at the moment, the way things are, the cost of living crisis and things. Um, I don't know if I'd say this is an area that would need it more than another area. However, I don't think it hurts anybody to have the support to be able to feed the children healthily. One of this year's Times and Sunday Times Christmas Appeal charities, Feeding Britain, aims to help people stretch their budgets across its 350 food clubs, pantries and social supermarkets. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and Sunday Times. I'm Kaya Burgess, Religious Affairs Correspondent at The Times. Today, the Archbishop of Canterbury in conversation. I'm Justin Welby. I'm the Archbishop of Canterbury. So, Archbishop, the, the cost of living crisis must have increased demand for the work of charities like Feeding Britain. The point about the cost of living crisis is that it had the biggest fall in real incomes for people on lower incomes since records began. You have to go back to the 30s to have anything similar. And obviously, one of the things that came out of the Feeding Britain report, out of subsequent reports is that for a very large number of families, they're stretched to save £10 a month. And therefore, if there's a problem, if someone's off sick, who's on day wages or on piecework or commission work, uh, or if a washing machine breaks down or something like that, suddenly the numbers don't stack up any longer. Do you feel it's a risk that these sorts of brilliant initiatives and food clubs by the church and Feeding Britain Network are becoming sort of um, formalised as part of our sort of society and how it operates, whereas you'd hope it would be a, a sort of stopgap solution until the causes of hunger can be, can be ended? But does it feel like it's been added in as this layer that shouldn't still be necessary? I think we can see how to end hunger in this country. 
And I think there's a number of policies that need to be changed. The obvious one is the two-child limit. And I think that there is a very significant contribution being made by Feeding Britain because it's uh, looking at much more creative ways of filling the gap between the people who need food banks and the people who don't worry about this area at all. So, for example, I went on the Feeding Britain bus in Wandsworth uh, in October of this year, and um, it doesn't give away food. No. It sells food. Why is that important, do you think? Because it's a bridge between those who are in crisis and those who have chronic budget difficulty. And that's quite a big gap. I mean, the, the bus sells food more or less at cost and they get it from all kinds of voluntary places, which means they're about 20% lower than Tesco. I did ask what the comparison was with Lidl, but they couldn't tell me that. But I suspect it's still quite a lot cheaper than Lidl or Aldi. And um, that is a really clever and creative mood because it, it gets away from the idea that you are simply a recipient of charity who has things done to you, to the idea that you are working with each other to find a way forward and move back to the point of food sufficiency and food security. Did you meet many of the people who were coming to use the food bus while you were there and to them? Yeah, I did. What sort of stories did they talk about and the importance of the food well, bus? Well, the food bus them? was very important. They say it, it goes around, it's always at the same place at the same time each week. There are four of them. Funnily enough, there's two in the diocese I serve, in Canterbury Diocese, on the Isle of Sheppey and uh, in um, the Isle of Thanet. And they got four across the country. And the people said... It just means that they can stretch the budget. And it's predictable. They know they'll stretch the budget. It's good food, fresh food. It's not tins and packages everywhere. They get a cup of coffee. People are very welcoming. So it's also tackling things like isolation. Because the bus has got... You can, you can sit and use the Wi-Fi. And... You can sit and use the Wi-Fi, chat to people... My name is Poppy Karanka. I'm a news reporter at The Times and I've been running the Christmas Appeal this year. So Poppy, can you tell me about Feeding Britain? What is it? What does it do? And what makes its work so important? So Feeding Britain is one of the charities that we've chosen this year for the Christmas Appeal. They work on food poverty in the UK. So as much as 7% of the UK population, which is Roughly 4.7 million people were living in food poverty last year. And Feeding Britain works to prevent and eliminate this. So across its 85 regional and local networks, there are about 350 food clubs, pantries and social supermarkets helping people on low and medium incomes stretch their budgets further and get nutritious food. And you recently visited a couple of projects and one of those was the Big Bird Food Van, is that right? So I have been lucky enough to visit some of Feeding Britain's projects across the country. So I went to Bassett Law last week in the Midlands and I went to the town of, well, village of Mattersea Thorpe, which is very, very small. And there are no real supermarkets or convenience stores in walking distance. 
So they have one of Feeding Britain's projects to fill the gap. It's nicknamed the Big Bird because it's bright yellow and it's an old DHL van and it's stocked full of fresh and nutritious food, you know, pastas, oats, fresh fruit and vegetables, bananas, apples, everything. And it stops in different villages throughout Bassett Law to fill that gap. And while I was there, I spoke to one of the volunteers there, Kirsty Miller, who told me about the impact that the projects had on the local area. Um, so I've been here from the start. So we opened last October, mm-hmm. the beginning of October last year, just over a year now. Yeah. So this will be like our second Christmas that we've, we've brought the shop to the villagers. Yeah. How is it going? I mean, what kinds of people do you see? What sort of stories do you see around? We have lots of people. Um, so people that maybe can't get out anymore because yeah. um, their mobility is not as good. So actually them get into a supermarket they might have to rely on somebody to take them Um, so having the van every single week and knowing that we stock the same things every week means that they can just plan it's nearby if they can't walk lots of people get their neighbours to get it for them and maybe write them a list we have lots of parents that are struggling because the cost of the food and bills and everything else that comes with having children and cost of living going up so again this knowing that if they brought £15 to the van, they'd yeah. get a good chunk of shopping for the week. And do you think you've seen any difference in the community since you've been going? Have you have you felt any sort of impacts of your work yet? Yeah, definitely. So we work closely with the Bassett Law Food Bank and in the villages that we go to, the um, food parcels that they distribute has massively reduced. Really? Some villages they don't send out any food parcels to anymore wow. um, because the van kind of takes that place and it also yeah. gives gives people a little bit more of the pride back so if people feel a bit they don't lots of people don't want to ring for food parcels nobody wants yeah. to ring and have food parcel we give them their independence back so they can go and shop how much cheaper is this than a supermarket would you say um i had a parent come along um do the shop and said that um for the saving she's managed to buy the christmas present for the children oh, because they've saved wow. the money so obviously their money stretches so far but it's obviously limited um so what they've saved they managed to buy more presents that they thought they'd managed to get for the children oh, so that's really lovely that's really nice what brings you here today? well it's convenient because yeah. the nearest shop you know you've got the drive to it and yeah. you can get your basics there and it's quite cheap so. yeah and how far away is the shop how how much of a drive 12 uh, items uh, and four, four, 10, 10 miles, miles. Nearest 10 miles and can you drive i can drive yeah yeah it's just just easier to come up there you know for yeah. your basics your bread your milk your eggs and yeah. stuff like that yeah and how long have you been coming ever since it started since it started yeah and how much do you reckon you save from coming here so you've this is your second time coming yeah. here and why did you decide to come here i don't work i'm retired yeah and it's, uh, it's a struggle to live here isn't it yeah is it yeah. food's getting more and more expensive it's more isn't expensive it? all the time isn't it yeah and were you struggling before you found her to sort of... Well, I wasn't struggling, but uh, I'm not struggling now. I won't yeah. be struggling now because I'm getting a little bit uh, helping. And you think you'll be coming for the future? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's make it pretty deep come uh, 12 months earlier. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, there's quite a social aspect of this yeah, where, you know, you're yeah. coming to chat to people. Is that something that you enjoy as well? Yeah. And they can refer people to debt cancelling and they do all that kind of thing because quite often food insecurity goes together with family insecurity and with debt that has been built up over the years. 
particularly with loan sharks and high interest suppliers of credit. And so you talked about the two child policy. I mean, what, what other steps do you think there are that perhaps were outlined in that 2014 report that still need to be taken so that feeding Britain's wonderful work as it is, is no longer needed? I think one of the things is decentralisation. That's one of the biggest things. So that local social security officers, benefits officers, officials can make decisions on the spot and have much more discretion than they have had historically. That makes a huge difference because it means they can see something is really urgent and can get some money to people very, very quickly in an emergency. Secondly, I think it requires within policy making a shift of how people are looked at from being, you know, to use an old fashioned word, sort of mendicant people in need where you have to decide whether they're the worthy poor or the unworthy poor. Well, that's in inverted commas, as it were, which still isn't explicit. And it's I'm sure people in government would say we don't do that. But you have to deal with people on the basis of trust to some degree. Yes, you will lose money that way because some people will abuse the trust, but most people won't. And that sort of mind shift that says, on the whole, people behave properly and are glad for the help up and want to get to the point where they don't need it. I I always go back to someone I met when I was in Durham. Now, that was 10 years ago. So it's just before Feeding Britain started, who lost his job as a painter decorator, started his own business. He needed to buy the equipment. It took him 18 months to find somewhere where he could borrow enough money to buy the equipment. The amount he needed was 200 pounds. He did borrow the money from a local charity who specialized in that, he eventually found. He paid it off months early. He's a very good worker, he had a very full order book. And bingo, he'd paid the debt off, food security had come back to his family, he didn't need to go to the food bank. His family life was much happier because they'd paid off debt. He's typical of the person who comes along who you can trust. What he really wants to do is not need to come along. And you just need to give that little step up. Coming up, could the education system help better prepare people for financial difficulty? That's in a moment. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You occasionally hear MPs of make comments such as, oh, well, it's just clearly they're just not good at budgeting or they don't know how to cook properly or, or somehow that they still don't quite believe that this is an issue in Britain. I'd say a number of things. I don't agree they're right, but even if they are, why isn't the education system teaching them how to budget as part of the maths and teaching them how to cook as part of learning the skills of life? For instance, in Sweden, free school meals are compulsory, not voluntary. So there's no distinction between someone having free school meals and those who don't, or at least that was true about four years ago. Teach people about nutrition, teach them to cook. And we have an amazing program, the Just Finance Foundation, which I established back in 2014, I think. And Just Finance does an extraordinary work. It does lots of different things, but one of its key things is that it goes into schools, and we're doing this in huge numbers of schools, church schools across the country. And it sets up mini credit unions, and they're run by the kids, with the support of the school, and they teach them how to budget, how to run money, how to get an idea of how to plan your giving and saving and your spending. And it's just got some fabulous stories around it. Now, when you put that together with something like Feeding Britain and you try and broaden this out, yes, of course, there are families that don't know how to budget, I suppose I'd ask the people who listen to this podcast, when you first set up your own home, particularly with a partner, husband, wife or partner, were you good at budgeting? Did you ever remember a point where you ran out of money? Because I certainly do, and I was in the finance business. <laughs> you know, let's not look down on people. You have to be taught how to budget. We've got a wonderful education system. It's great fun. We noticed the children's math skills improve significantly when they work on just finance because they can see the application instantly. <laughs> and they do. I mean, there's a wonderful story of a kid who went home and said to his mum, I've been learning about budgeting. We don't have much money, mum, do we? And his mum said, no, we don't. And he said, I don't want that pair of trainers. Isn't that? And yeah. so, yes. It can become part of the system, and we don't want it to. It can be because people don't know how to cook. It can be because they don't know how to budget. Well, teach them. Yeah. Teach them, encourage people to learn these things, and don't let those of us who had the good fortune to be taught how to do these things, don't look down on people for whom you budgeting is working out how you can save £10 rather than £9 in the month. Yes, that's a very good point. I mean, you talk about your own experience. You say you know, you've had experience in the past oh, of, of running out of money. And of course, when you moved to being a, a priest, I imagine that was, you know, you had it was to a re- 90%, rework out. Well, it was a 90% salary cut. <laughs> And I mean, do you do you remember there being times of thinking, right? I, I, you know, it's a sort of hand to mouth month, and it's up yeah, sort of down. Yeah, absolutely. To the it was someone said the the month is a little longer than the salary. 
And do you remember what the sort of the implications for you personally was that when you were thinking, right, I need to... It's really worrying. Yeah. And you do feel a failure. And so I think the thing about Feeding Britain is it's looking for ways of getting people back into, as it were, the system of not relying on food banks, which doesn't say, as food banks very carefully don't, but which says to people, there's nothing wrong with you. You have all the dignity of every human being. We value you enough to make the effort to make sure you can get back into a place where you feel a sense of self-respect. We care for you, and we think you should have a sense of self-respect. So Feeding Britain is doing that, and it's very good at partnering with other charities and uh, similar work, and it thinks very hard, and it does a lot of research. So I'm really enthused. Britain is one of the richest countries in the world, and yet we still have high levels of food poverty and of homelessness. And do you think that's something that people are still shocked by and something that can drive change? I agree with the challenge of the question. And I'm going to put a challenge back to ourselves. And we are one of the six or seven richest countries on earth. There is enough money to feed everyone in this country adequately and more than adequately. It's just not all in the right pockets. And I think that should be, together with homelessness, the most basic aim of any government policy after keeping the country secure. And yes, in answer to the first part of your question, if we're not shocked by that, we really, really, really ought to be. And my sort of last question would just be to, to Times readers, Sunday Times readers, listeners to the Stories of Our Times podcast, why would you and how would you encourage them to, to support the appeal? I'd encourage you to support the appeal by giving money. I would suggest something that we quite often do is see what the budget is for your Christmas spending and give 10% of it to the appeal. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times. With me, Kaya Burgess, Religious Affairs Correspondent at The Times, and my guests, the Most Reverend Justin Welby, the Archbishop of Canterbury, and Times news reporter Poppy Karonka. You can find out more about Feeding Britain and this year's other Christmas Appeal charities and donate at thetimes.co.uk slash Appeal. The producer was Edward Drummond, the executive producer was Fiona Leach and sound design was by Hannah Varrell. If you can, please leave us a review. It'll help others to find us. And have a good Christmas. My name is Justin Welby and I'm the vicar of Dibley. You can use that. Okay. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.